back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one co-host also mike in a moment as we are here to talk about a big sunday night for precursor purposes as both the baptist and the critics choice occurred simultaneously but it seems like if you would describe this road to the oscars these last two weeks after all the craziness that we've had michael uh <laughs> the one word i would describe it with would be chalk Chalk is uh, what you've been saying for a while. This seemed like a chalk season. And here's what I wonder, though. I wonder if we can pat ourselves on the back because chalk means, you know, we've been kind of predicting things to go this way. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're getting better at that. Can I spin this so that it becomes a compliment to to our show and ourselves? (laughs) Me, me, me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Am I taking after a certain shtick that we've done at least one half of this podcast thus far? No, I think uh, I think that's a factor to it, but I, I also think, you know, we've studied it longer now than anybody, but mm. I think, uh, or in terms of the, just the, the, the quantity, not quality, the quantity of our show. <laughs> but look, I do think that's a part of it. Otherwise... Yeah, I think we got some uh, campaigns gaining momentum right now. What I'm going to have fun with though with you today is some of the exceptions to the rules, so we kind of can dive into some of that down the card. I would argue the quality wasn't to be had uh, at the Critics' Choice on Sunday night, at least, mm. as we will talk about uh, these broadcasts and separate and the winners and kind of round off and, and really get you set for this last two weeks here for Academy voting to close and, and the Oscar show to take shape, but... Look, if that was supposed to be the biggest night for, like, precursors and setting the Oscar stage and all that, I guess there were some exceptions, but they could have... The biggest exception was that I may not watch either show next year. (laughs) Well, I tell you, the broadcasts... At least the broadcast for the Critics' Choice was rough. I did not watch the BAFTA broadcast, but I was able to catch up on, like, a million clips on YouTube, so thank you Mm -hmm. to the BAFTA and the BBC YouTube channel, so I, I encourage people to do that. But here's the thing, like, you don't get a sense of the flow, you don't get a right. sense of uh, the broadcast, obviously. Like, we, I don't even know what speeches they, they aired live on air, so I'm going to have to wait and, and see who, uh, you know, who covers that show, hopefully of our friends, uh, is going to get covered. But, I mean, the critics' choice, watching that show back to front and front to back, and I'll rewatch a little bit uh, early this morning, Mike, that was a mess. We had... Dental procedure. Oh, it was brutal. I mean, absentee acceptances after them cutting a bunch of stuff out and rushing a bunch of other stuff. I mean, BAFTA didn't have this problem. You had standee acceptees, you know, with Ronaldo Marcus Green, for instance, for Will Smith, Benadou Cumberbelly for uh, Jane Campion. I thought that worked. And then you had good speeches that were rushed as a result at the Critics' Choice because everything seemed rushed at the Critics' Choice. It did. It seemed incredibly rushed, and it just, just, I don't know what the hell the point of the show was. I, I the Critics' Choice, I think, is facing a big problem, and I saw a lot of people complaining, like, "Oh, it's kind of upsetting that the Critics' Choice just decided to copy other award shows." And my take on that was, this is what the Critics' Choice has become over. I know I'm going to piss off a lot of critics. That's whatever, but 
they they've become this instead of worrying about picking the best of the year they become predictive as to what they think is going to happen on oscar sunday and i don't think that's what the purpose of the show should be yeah but the the format of the show itself was very rough uh, tay Diggs has been a rough host for that show for the last for as long as we've been doing this podcast i thought nicole Byer was a godsend early on because she at least was able to sell some of these terribly written jokes and i'm sorry they were just objectively unfunny jokes mm-hmm. in the in the uh, mon- opening monologue and throughout the night, she at least was able to sell them as goofy and, like, over the top, and I thought that was a badly, badly needed addition to the show, and it made it more palatable. But, yeah, man, Critics' Choice was a rough watch for me. Live comedy is struggling right now, especially in an award show format. We saw it struggle a little bit at the at the SAG Awards, even though that's it was kind of a mixed bag in the beginning of that broadcast. We definitely saw it, uh, it struggle at the Independent Spirit Awards with two people that have been just always funny throughout their careers with the uh, Offer Malalies there, Mike. Yeah. We had uh, a professional comedian join Tate Diggs, who's done a nice job uh, like we we praised him in the past for hanging tough and keeping the show you know on on uh <clears throat> life support in a way at the critics choice even though like we knew the comedy was going to be corny and terrible so that I, I wasn't what we were necessarily tuning in for at the choice but this was so objectively cringy that i i just i can't believe that it's bombing so bad. I, like this is brutal, squirming, writhing, nightmare fuel levels of comedic bombing that has yeah. to drive all these people crazy. And I, they have to wholesale change whatever they're doing in terms of the joke writing teams at this Critics' Choice Awards. I don't know. I, I, there's no other way to say it. It's abominable. Well, the good news is the most important people and the most important winners didn't watch and they weren't in the room because clearly... The majority of people getting awards prioritized BAFTA over the Critics' Choice. They, Like you said, they weren't there. And the ones that, that did win, they had the satellite office in London yeah. at that restaurant that was hosting the people that went to BAFTAs. They went straight there. Uh, the licorice Pizza, West Side Story Tables, even though they had representation at the Critics' Choice. Right. I mean, the, the Critics' Choice to me could best be summed up this year by the Don't Look Up table. And you had all those names attached to Don't Look Up. Yeah. And they flashed the table representing Don't Look Up. I had no idea who anyone sitting there was. You have all these A-listers attached to that movie, and there was just, I mean, they had, I'm sorry, but people I just don't know, and we do this 365 days a year, maybe it was too quick, and I didn't realize there was somebody there that we should know, and that's on me, but whatever. Awkward, unfunny, some of the speech, Jane Campion was in the room. Right. What the hell was she talking about when she went up there for Best Director, or what? Weird. I've always had a problem with the Critics' Choice in that I don't think they know what they want to be other than look how smart we are. We predicted the Oscars winners a month or so ahead of time. Somewhat, even though their stats aren't quite there. But of right. late, they've had some runs in terms it of It feels stats. like they want, they're more concerned with being predictive and patting themselves on the back for being able to hobnob with celebrities. It was an awkward scenario this year because they had to move the date. And they were the earliest, and they had to move the date, and it had to go to BAFTA Sunday. And I know the two award shows worked together to an extent, and they did the best they could. So you're right. Did they have... That's a loser for the Critics' Choice. Did they I mean, have all the A-lists? It, right, no. it stuck out that, that Hollywood prioritizes one over the other. That's a huge loss for the Critics' Choice. If They should never do that again, I don't think. 
I'm guessing it probably hurt them. They did have some scenarios where, you know, some stateside people stayed stateside, and obviously Jane Campion at the DGA, she just stayed there. Mm -hmm. It it made some sense for certain movies to split their contingencies. And look, I mean, our critics showed up in force, and we saw a lot of our, you know, film Twitter friends having a great time, and that was exciting. That was probably the most fun I had during the night was seeing people that we, you know, we've collaborated with, Mike, just in the audience having fun. So that was was really really cool i would say and other other than that you know that the show was very clunky just from a tv watcher's perspective and the the fact that some of the people that you you know the biggest names delivered some of the worst speeches definitely hurt them yeah <laughs> to say the least uh i i the best part of the night was something that had nothing to do with the oscars race i thought i mean the billy crystal speech was it's such a, to me, that was such a departure from this poorly scripted comedy to having somebody who's naturally funny up there. Yeah. And just seeing the difference. I, I even thought Jimmy Kimmel, given the, the introduction to, to Crystal's uh, award, Lifetime Achievement Award, was, was better off than most of the night. It's yeah. just... Yeah, well, weird, weird watch. Kimmel was a bit hit and miss for me, but that's all right. That's you know, I'm used to award show comedy being hit and miss, but you tolerate right. it because of the hits. So exactly, he does get a few punchlines over, so that's great. And that you know, Nicole Byer was like that on the night. She knows mm-hmm. how to deliver a punchline, and that's a huge, uh, that's a huge help to the whole broadcast. Right, where she, like you said, she could deliver some lines even if they're clunk, you know, silly to write them down on paper. And I can't believe people are getting paid for that. And I'm very jealous and I'm very I'm just I'm just a ball of envy and hate this morning when it when comedy bombs that bad on this stage, it it really does aggravate me. But you're right. The the tribute awards went pretty well in terms of Billy Crystal being funny, Halle Berry, the see her award. Mm -hmm. And look, I mean, they had some moments on the night that were unexpectedly excellent. Venus and Serena Williams, the last award of the night with uh, Sean McVay and uh, his Ukrainian significant other. Uh, presenting, you know, best film. I mean, these worked in the room. These worked in terms of just flow. Like you and I can sense that. We've watched enough of these things where we we could see what works and what doesn't. And I just wish they had more of the positive. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment for the show overall. That they just—I wish it was more palatable. I think they—it needs an overhaul to me. More, maybe even more so than the Oscars, but it doesn't really matter because nobody watches the Critics' Choice. And I told you—I mean, you could see that by the advertisers that are showed during the commercial breaks. There's—you—you watch SAG, and you're bombarded with these. 30-second, one-minute-long commercials that are trying to appeal to Academy voters and trying to appeal to movie fans because you have the nominees represented in these commercials. There wasn't a single Oscar nom, a single movie I didn't see, yeah, that was advertised during the bulk of the Critics' Choice Awards. I mean, you were getting teeth whitening and you were getting... (laughs) <laughs> laxatives and you were getting like, like this is the these are the people that are buying time during the critics choice awards i think it badly needs an overhaul from top to bottom i'd be curious to what people say about the baftas broadcast if it was a little different i do Same. know critics choice when it got to money time even though they were kind of rushing really too fast to get there you know what had clips what didn't you know it seemed like they were cutting clips out of the broadcast seemed like they were cutting bits i don't know what they were doing in terms of speeches like it was really awkward the, the presenters acknowledging that they didn't have any time to do what they were supposed to do. Uh, Nobody was get, was prepared with a speech. <laughs> Every winner was like, ah, fuck, I'm up here. Huh? Yeah, all 
right. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was more bizarre than in recent years. And maybe it's just bad luck of the draw. They, they got spe- speeches from people who were impromptu with it. Uh, the BAFTAs definitely seen more put together. People had written speeches. The speeches were able to breathe. Again, I'm watching clips of this, but... I'll be honest with you. I've loved the speeches at SAG and Spirits and now BAFTA. So at three out of the four shows, I do think we've gotten really great speeches from people. And I'm really proud of the industry able to do that. And then you have someone like Rebel Wilson, who's, again, you know, hit and miss with the comedy. But that's okay. I'll deal with the corn. I'll deal with the lousy ratio or the half and half 50% ratio, Mike, if she makes me laugh once in a while. And, of course, she did. She had a funny PSA. She had a couple bits. The Benedict Cumberbatch cake was funny so check that out on youtube people and then there's good musical performances so the baftas seem to deliver more of the traditional stuff that we're used to and that we love this season for yeah and it's weird in that they actually had maybe the critics choice has too much and then you're opening the door for a whole new conversation as to why should you add more oscars categories but even the critics choice obviously didn't show all their categories live or their presentations or their awards right but the baftas had musical performances they had they were more structured like the academy awards historically have been and if that's more palatable then maybe there's no right way to do an award show mike i don't know i mean it's it's odd it's reality tv it's uh presentation tv it's there's, it's got to include comedy and music. I think uh, we we love it for those reasons. I mean, you got a live element, so there should be a performance aspect to it, and it's been palatable, especially when it's you know, you, you know they take the piss out of it a little bit. It's important to do that, I think. Otherwise, you just have millionaires giving millionaires awards uh, mm. trophies, like where they've make, made a joke about that a hundred thousand times in the history <laughs> of every award show. But right. you have moments like at BAFTA. Uh, Cherish Oteka wins best short film for for the Black Cop. Those two speeches, and they let two people give speeches. I, I, I was choking up by the end of it. The Dune sound team did a wonderful job passing the microphone back and forth. The West Side Story casting director. These were heartfelt, incisive speeches coming from below-the-line winners at BAFTA. Again, check the YouTube clips out to to confirm what I'm saying here. I would pay to watch those all the time. I, I love that in any award season when when speeches are delivered like like just like they practiced it, right? It almost seems like they prepared it. This impromptu nonsense. I'm squirming on my couch when Kieran Culkin is doing whatever he's doing up there. I love Fuller. <laughs> I love Succession. I love I love Romulus there. Uh, but what is he doing? Why yeah. just come up with something to say to a national TV audience? Yeah. And yet, I mean, the overall problem is that we're trying to figure out ways to make these more palatable to a general audience and get more people watching. But <laughs> look, if Power of the Dog is this wire to wire winner that's going to win all these categories, it's not award shows aren't going to be palatable to a wider audience. I'm sorry. It's uh, it's a frustration at this point, I would say, but it's it's not something wholly surprising to us. We just kind of nailed it with uh, Amy Smith last week, Mike, where we kind of mm. thought it was coming back to this. I think we're we're getting to the point where we're realizing it and we're getting a little ornery about it. However, you know, is it a well-made film? Absolutely. Of course. And I'm, I'm all up for uh, Campion getting some love. I'm all up for Ari Wagner. I mean, that was a beautiful moment. But I do I do have to say that the fact that we're staring down the barrel of another wire to wire kind of art film winning, I guess it's preferable than 
you know, something like Green Book for us. But it's... if the pandemic didn't turn you off to award shows, then the winners will. <laughs> well, that's the problem. <laughs> like people will go to yeah. Power of the Dog and it's a divisive film. We've been saying that since the film festivals. Andrew and I did freaking what? Five hours of movie reviewing on it. And we, we got a long list of pros and cons. So, look, BAFTA is not necessarily predictive, though, Mike. BAFTA's uh, given this to the power of the dog. They're only five of the last 10, eight of the last 20. So there is some historical category confusion to explain that. Otherwise, you know, outstanding British film eats into that. But again, you know, when power of the dog takes this and critics choice against Coda in particular, you wonder if Coda is losing all momentum now and people, you know, it kind of gets vetoed back to where we thought it was and maybe you know maybe the academy doesn't go all out we'll have to wait and see what pga says and the critics choice crossover isn't that much better they're only 15 of 26 mike for 57 percent so the power of the dog is back in and it's probably always been in the league especially for us but coda's chances did take a hit tonight last night coda's uh, belfast is d- d- done right i mean west side star it, it, i guess the argument is that well, if something that's not Power of the Dog wins PGA, that's your second place. That's your one and two, and that can be the one movie that might be able to upset on the Oscars stage. Yeah, Coda will still have some momentum, so maybe if that wins PGA, then you'd have more of a, a two-headed race than you want than you do right now. But after Critics' Choice, Power of the Dog is it's the the front runner for a good reason, and it's probably going to win the Oscar for Best Picture. Like it has been probably going to win for three months now. Yeah, and we know one thing's for sure: it's winning best director. I mean, it did bet oh, your done. Yep. bet your house to win laptop on that one. Re, not even laptop, pencil. Like <laughs> this is your your the problem with this award show, with this award season in general, is that exact thing. It's that like not only are these wire to wire races, not only are there so many above the line categories that are over before we even get to Oscar Sunday, but they're also done with these movies that are polarizing and that are. They don't appeal to a massive audience. I mean, director's over. The two supporting categories are over. Picture's probably close to over. I don't know how you're getting... I mean, if the Oscars are worried about the casual fan, you have to make a decision here. You either have to worry about the casual fan or you don't. You either have to widen out the academy to get stunt people in to get more of a representation of... It bothers me that there's so many people out there Mm -hmm. who are like, well, the Oscars do a fine enough job of representing with major films. And on the one hand, yeah, that's true. You do have more blockbuster stuff that's nominated every year in the Best Picture category and, and other above-the-line stuff. But I don't think the problem is that nominations don't necessarily get people to tune in. Like, if these things have no shot at winning, you're not mm-hmm. going to get the casual viewer to tune in to the Oscars. I don't disagree. And I, I, the only caveat I'll say is I do think The Power of the Dog was widely watched on Netflix based on those first couple of weekends, and Probably. I'm guessing that subscribership has tuned in. in I would love to know how many people that aren't in the awards industry watch The Power of the Dog for a second time. Uh, well, I, I don't know about rewatches. Who Only sick human beings like you and I <laughs> tend to do those, uh, and there's one of us more, much more sicker than mm-hmm. the, 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 the other. <laughs> but I, I do... I do think the power of the dog is more palatable than any. I, I would even say a Nomad Land, even though a Nomad Land hit the time and place fairly well. There, mm. There's going to be some some really exciting things about the power of the dog win, winning, but 
yeah, would I rather have a crowd pleaser like Coda, especially in a year like this where we can have a feel good movie win? Yeah. Or even Belfast, like you and I, we, we clearly have, you know, three best picture nominees in our top tens on the year. So you're rooting mm-hmm. for, uh, we're both rooting for Coda, and then you're rooting for another two. I'm rooting for another two. So th- that's what's frustrating at this point. Uh, or I think we both have King Richard and Coda in common. It's just I have Belfast and you have like Don't Look Up. Yeah. All right. So we, bo- I mean, or you might have Licorice Pizza as well. So you have four Best Picture noms in your top ten this year, right? I think I have five. I have Nightmare Alley too. But yeah. Oh, I mean, Schnikes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because so. late breaker for you. So right. Jesus, we we do like the field this year, and so. it's just right. That's that's the that's indicative of what I was just saying. It, it's one thing to be. To see, to hear the movie's name, if you're going to tune into the Oscars to hear your favorite movie's name in a couple categories, right. if that's enough for you, then yeah. But no, people want the wins. That's what's going to draw, sure, the casual fan <laughs> into this show. And if that's what you care about, you're not. I, I fear for what the Oscars ratings are going to be. They're going to be a return to the mean. You're not going to get 10 million. It's going to be probably 15 or so. Uh-huh. But I, I don't know. The more we do this, the less I think we're going to get close to 20. I'm hoping PGA maybe shakes it up and everybody it becomes so like a stir. That that even even if the power of the dog wins it on the night, then at least you get that that audience back a little bit because that you know that kind of excitement is contagious. So when I mean, Parasite won, even though it was like nineteen or twenty million, whatever it was, I, that that's a good thing for the Oscars, though. For Christ's sake, so sure maybe the Academy makes a change against the boring chalk pick, even if it's not a boring pick, it's just a chalk pick. So we'll see, but. Look, the Critics' Choice were in for Campion All Night. They uh, they gave her the Adapted Screenplay Award. Now, look, there are only three of the last ten act Critics' Choice for Adapted Screenplay, Mike. But here's something heartening to kind of, you know, uh, to talk about two contenders. Coda won Adapted Screenplay at BAFTA. And mm. Belfast did win a couple awards at BAFTA. They won Most Outstanding British Film, and they won Best Acting Ensemble at Critics' Choice. Mm-hmm. They'll also win an original screenplay at Critics' Choice, which is eight out of the last ten Oscar picks. So we do have some hope for some contenders down the card. King Richard won the ace. We got some Hail Marys in play, I would say. PTA winning Licorice Pizza, an original screenplay at BAFTA. Probably doesn't mean anything for Best Picture. But again, it just spices up some of these races kind of in the middle of the card, I would say, Mike. Yeah, if you're looking for intrigue as to what's not settled amongst the uh, biggest Oscar categories, you can find some fun in the, I think, both screenplay categories. Right. There's enough reason where you can pick one of a couple films there, uh, one of a couple screenplays on both original and, I mean, is original going to go to a PTA? Is it going to go to Branagh? Either way, you're probably going to be celebrating a, a name with their first Oscar who's an industry veteran and been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Adapted, you can say the same thing. With Adapted's kind of cool. I mean, can... Can is it going to be Power of the Dog winning all these major above the line categories, or can something like uh, can Coda sneak in and and be the upset pick that could even win multiple Oscars alongside Trey Kotzer's, which seems to be in the bag? So yeah, there's definitely some look. If you're an industry person like we are, if you're an awards magnet, if you're a pundit, yeah, there's definitely still reason to talk about this stuff and parse through it. It's not all settled. 
It's not all settled. And we're as we get down the card, it's actually less settled than it appears if you look at the guild nominations, etc., and the guild winners, rather. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Belfast does has a, have a slight hope with how BAFTA handled them. You wonder if there was a BAFTA puzzle theory. We've seen that, again, historically with BAFTA. They've chosen a lot of best British films to win their best film, and therefore they you know spun off a breast, best or a breast Mm-hmm. British category, and therefore that is something we've seen in recent years indicate Academy su- uh, support because it is, uh, you know, a cross population between BAFTA and the uh, and AMPAs. Uh, if I can speak today, my God. But look, I I do think we got some fun things that can still happen at Oscar. And I do think people are going to look at their ballots and want some fun things to happen at Oscar. So I don't think things are sewn up. No, they're, they're not. Uh, there was a couple interesting winners all up and down the card too i mean if you're talking about both of these award shows like best editing okay bafta goes to no time to die that's at least explicable critic choice picks west side story which isn't even nominated on the oscars field so that's i guess the backlash to Critics choice all they want to do is predict oscar winners they could at least hold firm to best editing this year and say that they clearly weren't doing that and as a critic i kind of agree with them i thought west side story's editing was pretty excellent we we yeah, we both said that. Did yeah. you say that more than me? And now I'm just I, paraphrasing you. you sounds, this is, yeah, I think that sounds that, right. I think this is happening. I think I just said something <laughs> that you've always said, and I said that I always said it. Jesus, hive anyway, mind. It's getting to be that time. The hive mind. We like this film. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Look, no time to die. West Side Story actually keeps King Richard and Tick Tick Boom more alive. Uh, than before because those are the two ace eddie winners don't look up as the other oscar nom in the category and these two are not oscar nominated no time to die in west side story so they can't win film editing oscar so the two oscar nominees the power of the dog and dune they get beat by non-oscar nominees and therefore best editing is wide open again which i i have no idea what to pick I, I, what are you looking at well, I'm looking at the ace ed. I'm looking at those two. So I'm thinking maybe uh, King Richard, like uh, Amy talked about, has some quintessential Oscars editing tropes that the uh, the branch likes to nominate and that the the Academy at large likes to to pick as winners. I mean, it's a sport movie, ton of montages, and then you got a ton of editing in a musical like uh, Tick Tick Boom. It, it does it go back to the power of the dog, which you don't think is such a muscular editing job i would be surprised i know this is going to be a pre-show thing and i know we're going to be eyeballing it something like dune could always come back in my mind because you've seen a lot of sci-fi wins you've seen a lot of action movies win of late so i'm not you know i'm not uh xing that out as a possibility mm-hmm. don't look up would surprise me at this point that's probably yeah, a distant fifth same. otherwise like like we were talking about with amy all we got four movies alive and i would say the at least king richard and tick tick boom stay up there in terms of the odds yeah look towards the ace eddies if you're going to pick at least historically because there is such a strong crossover between that the guild representing and then having their their eventual winner at their guild go on to win the oscars category as well but all right let's get into the some of the performance categories michael yeah jessica chastain wins critics choice uh, over Coleman, Gaga, Haim, Kidman, and Stewart. Cruz was not there. Otherwise, BAFTA, we had Joanna Scanlon with with just a lovely speech 
at BAFTA, taking it for After Love. And, you know, Gaga, we both picked her. We had a bunch of, you know, young, terrific performers in the rest of the category. Uh, Joanna Scanlon just delivering what what everybody calls an awesome performance. This is the BIFA winner. This is the... This is the British winner that it's it's cool to see them just pick their their girl in this instance. And, you know, she she just she blew me away with with that delivery. Again, someone who prepares a speech who's genuine. Thank you. Thank you for those type of moments, BAFTA. Yeah, there was that was the upshot of BAFTAs in this category specifically, too. Right. It was we knew we were going to get some kind of moment that was its own moment. It was in its own echo chamber and it wasn't going to be duplicated or have any kind of impact on the Oscars race. It was just going to be a cool moment for the winner to have and have all to themselves. And that's right. exactly what happened with Joanna Scanlon. So nice to see that. That being said, Kristen Stewart unable to win at Critics' Choice. Jessica Chastain's at neither award That's got to be the biggest indicator that as much as they can say the Critics' Choice body can say best editing, we're not trying to predict the Oscars. To have Critics' Choice not pick Kristen Stewart and pick Jessica Chastain after SAGs, that's got, I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and then find a critic who wasn't fawning over Kristen Stewart's performance. Right, and down the card we have uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye winning makeup and hairstyling. So the the group at large is either watching it or they're watching enough clips of it to vote for the eyes of Tammy Faye and Jessica mm-hmm. Chastain right now. It does seem like, like we said, you know, bandwagon is starting. Does it carry all the way through? Are we looking at Kidman and Coleman coming back as former winners that the, the group defaults to, or, or Cruz for that matter, as a long shot? Stewart's chances, though, I mean, I'm definitely going to be going probably back to Chastain and against Stewart, unfortunately, against my way-too-early picks. I don't know about you. It's just her time, Mike. It's just <laughs> Jessica Chastain's time. It might be. Mike, looks like we're getting some major bandwagons just picking up too much steam. You know, I don't know how fast a bandwagon can go, but uh, whatever wheels they got, are, these ones are going fast. Like well, These three are bullet trains in China. There's no catching them. <laughs> Will Smith won BAFTA and Choice, as did Ariana DeBose and Troy Kotzer. Ariana DeBose has been so just lovely in all her speeches that I'm I'm starting to think like maybe it's planned charmingness. <laughs> I, I've been dealing with her for so long at this point. It's like, wait a minute, are you actually this affable and polite, or is this all an act? And you're just these are planned moments. Did you really forget your speech and your phone over at the table, or did you go into this knowing you were going to forget your speech and your phone over at the table? But this is what the type of you know, this type of season does to me is I got no, nowhere to go but go deep into conspiracy spirals in my own head over these because we have the same winners over and over again. Right. But yeah, I could watch Ariana DeBose give a speech a billion times, Troy Kotzer as well, and Will Smith was the one guy at Critics' Choice who yeah. actually did show up, who was a big name, who was prepared, and uh, he's you can tell he's ready to win this Oscar. Every speech has been something different. This one he focused on the Williams family, specifically the Williams sister's mother. He gave credit to Anjanou Ellis, which I thought was very nice. Uh, he's he's going to win, and he deserves to win and he's he's been waiting literally his whole life for this kind of awards road well i tell you what i've given him some crap about the sag speech well it just was almost you know in gaff territory for me and it just mm-hmm. whatever it might have just been me mistaken. no you weren't the only one i heard i heard people have similar but he nailed feelings. this speech and he even played off the funny playoff music and mm-hmm. he he was he made that funny and then and then got back to it and really had a moving finish finale to that speech. So yeah, he's totally 
uh, acquitting himself very well uh, with this last phase here. And I think, yeah, you're, you're right. He's a bullet train towards the win. Uh, we'll see because you can never lock these things, obviously. But it, it sure, certainly looks like those three are in place. Uh, we did have some cool performance awards down the card we had my nemesis but uh, a completely adorable uh, alan kim uh, introduced jude hill winning best young actor actress from belfast there mike just name it the best child actor award if this is what we're gonna like okay got good for jude hill charming moment great speech alan kim adorable <laughs> adorable last year everyone <laughs> fell in love with him it wasn't better than cooper hoffman or Sonia Sidney or Rachel Ziegler. What, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> We've been doing this for too long. You get mad at the, the young yeah, actor. Yeah, it just, it's so ridiculous. He was pretty good. Come on. But who that, cares? <laughs> he was a little kid who had to play a little kid. What range? Sonia Sidney had the weight of a family on her shoulders the two hours runtime. Cooper yeah. Hoffman had to live up to the legacy of his father in his first role. Come on. Just call it the best little kid. Lashana, Just call it the adorable award. Adorable. Call it the adorable moment award. Uh, I'm not quite as monstrous as you are this I will year. Fight these Last year I was mad at Alec so I have nothing to say. I really I can't even get I can't even say anything. Uh we have Lashana Lynch winning the EE Rising Star Award at BAFTA. And this was a bit of a surprise for us because obviously we had Two Oscar nominees in the category are Ariana DeBose and Cody Smith-McPhee. A little BAFTA puzzle theory? I don't know. Maybe they just think Lashana Lynch is the rising star this year. She's been in the MCU. She's now been in Bond, which uh, apparently this audience really, really loved because they themed the whole show around the 60th anniversary of Bond, etc. It, it just works. Yeah, and if the Critics' Choice body was in charge of that category, Millicent Simmons would have won easily. Yeah. Which is fine, but I mean, I'm glad that uh, you know, Millicent Simmons had a better case than Jude Hill. I, uh, I, 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 God is my witness. One day, Jude Hill and I's paths will cross. Uh, uh, I think, <laughs> I think I was hoping for some nice little, uh, un- inarguable <laughs> shout-outs there, and no, I stepped in something, folks. We got the fleet categories, Mike. We got animated, we got documentary, we got international, and we had some variants. Animated went to Encanto at BAFTA, but animated went to the Mitchells versus the Machines at Critics' Choice. Went to the Mitchells versus Machine at the Annie Awards, too, as well. So now you're actually got a little intrigue here. There has been a, uh, a history of the Annie Awards Best Feature being different from the Oscars Best Animated Feature winner. One, two, three, four, five, six times since 2006. Those two have differed, but obviously the history is that the Annie Guild is usually shared in common with the Oscars Best Animated Feature. So you have something to look forward to. So now that's three categories, right? You have Animated Feature on Oscar Sunday, which could be a toss-up right now. Surprisingly, considering how Encanto's been traded all precursor season long, it's been the presumptive favorite. But now you have the Lord Miller making the rounds and making... Maybe people are trying to smile on them, and that's getting... Maybe people just are in love with Mitchells versus the Machines. The more people that watch it, at least on Twitter that I see, the more people talk about and fawn over it and talk about it and say how it's one of their favorites of the year. So there's something intriguing to be said. So, all right, animated feature can join the, the two screenplay categories as major categories that aren't completely settled. Well, yeah, we thought Encanto was running away with it. We thought it because of the nomination strength overall for the film. But th- this does matter. I mean, the Mitchells versus the Machines went eight for eight in terms of the Annie Awards. Uh, Encanto only went three for nine there. And then the the critics scoreboard. I mean, it's not the the Critics' Choice winning 
uh, trophy that's telling us the Mitchells versus the Machines is really primed to to upset. It's the fact that the Annies went that way as well. Yeah. That's like now we're thinking, okay, the the both of those things maneuvering it may give this film some life. And I'll be honest with you, I wonder if there's still some category confusion over Flea, which may take some votes away for Encanto. Uh, or, or Mitchell's. I don't know because we have we could have a three way race that makes it more interesting at the end of the day, and I don't know who's benefits from that. Is it Encanto getting flea votes, or because again, the overall Academy is watching this. So if the art film vote goes for Flea, d- d- I mean, does the popular vote go to the Mitchell's versus the Machines, Mike? I, I mean, there's all kinds of theories you could work out now i'm very surprised that and maybe i shouldn't be but that the guild went with mitchell's versus machine not only that they went with them for best feature but that they went with them so heavily eight for eight at the annie awards yeah your your antenna's got to be up and now we are looking at ways in which we can kind of decipher this and have it make sense on oscar sunday there's intrigue in the documentary category too that you kind of alluded to with flea and that okay summer of soul uh won the bafta but the DGA documentary, Summer of Soul, was beaten out by Attica. Attica's director, Stanley Nelson Jr., did uh, beat Questlove there. So that that is uh, some intrigue. You know, we thought Questlove could have really, you know, brought home a big weekend there for Summer of Soul. I still think Summer of Soul is, is in the lead, and it's in a firm lead. I do think the category confusion over Flea is still, you know, evident. Because Flea is not necessarily consolidating its support in the documentary category of yet, which is still kind of strange to me. But there's a bigger international group at the at the uh, Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences, right? So maybe it finally happens on the day, and you get Flea upsetting, and it might be worth a sprinkle in terms of the betting, Mike. Otherwise, yeah, uh, yeah I, I do think that this is still a positive for Summer of Soul. But you're right; it's not sewn up necessarily. Not like I don't think next Summer of Souls. I don't. I still don't think Summer of Souls is going to win. Really? So okay. So you're buying into it now. Yeah. You 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 you're you're reading into that DGA loss for Questlove. I was reading into it prior to that, but it's just like another. It's more evidence. I just think that's going to be the one that Flea. It's tough to see Flea going home empty-handed. Well, that's that's what we've been saying for a month now. We'll yeah. see if uh, we'll see if I stick from it. I'm kind of wavering back to Summer of Soul, but we'll see. Uh, international feature does seem sewn up. Drive My Car yes. wins both BAFTA and the Critics' Choice. We've been on that for a while, and that seems to be continuing. If we can transition, like you said, to the production values as far as those categories. Dune won five BAFTAs and three Critics' Choice. Yeah, it won original score, production design, and visual effects at both choice and BAFTA otherwise the choice does not have a sound category so we'll have to wait for the sound designer guilds to weigh in there but it does seem like Dune has a firm league a lead from the critics etc the award season thus far where Dune did split on the night was cinematography Greg Fraser won the BAFTA and Ari Wegner of Power of the Dog made history with the critics choice Mike she's only the second female DP ever nominated and the first to win Best Cinematography at the Critics' Choice Awards. Yeah, very cool to see that from her. And, and again, to get more diversity within that category uh, as far as who's going to win. It seemed like something that Dune was going to sew up. Now maybe there's a little intrigue. Uh, as far as what sticks out to me, there has always been historically that crossover stat between what happens at Critics' Choice in production design and the Oscars stage. Dune winning that. I'm going to pick Dune as the Oscar winner in production design now. That's all I know. 
Yeah, we have Nightmare Alley still kind of lurking in mm-hmm. production design. We just uh, covered it with the Art Designers Guild there, even though Dune won at both of the production design guilds. So we could sense the Nightmare Alley, but Nightmare Alley got beat twice last night. Yep. I wonder if that's the case. I, w- I would love to know. All these award shows should just reveal their... Either the, reveal the balloting or at least have, there's something for the Critics' Choice can do, <laughs> have interludes of interviewing critics talking to the camera, breaking down their specific ballots and why they voted for one thing over another uh, at, at a certain point in their card. Yeah, otherwise, we typically look to the guilds for crossovers, and we got a lot of the you know production value guilds coming up this week, Mike. We, like I said, we got the Cinematographers uh, or American Society of Cinematographer Awards coming up for Ari Wagner and, and Greg Fraser. They're they're having a big showdown, I would say, for that award, and that might you know be a tiebreaker at the end of the day because of the cross you know population in terms of Academy members. But look, Dune performed really well at the Visual Effects Society that won the big award, which is typically predictive as we've covered in the past. We just mentioned how Dune did well at the production design guilds. Otherwise, the Dune win for Hans Zimmer, there's a bit of confusion with that here, Mike, because we had the Society of Composers and Lyricists Awards Goda and Kanto's Jermaine Frankel over Hans Zimmer this past week. And then we have their other guild, the Music Supervisors Awards, where Dune isn't nominated, isn't eligible, I guess. So that is something to keep an eye out for. And and if you look at the score awards on the season, the NBP scoreboard there has Dune at 21, Power of the Dog at 14, and Encanto is kind of climbing up there. So we have more of a race than it would appear necessarily in original score. I'm still leaning towards Hans Zimmer, and, and I guess you can lean towards Dune in maybe three, four of these five, but there are races involved. It would be, it would be historic for the Academy to vote an animated feature as the score winner on back-to-back years with soul success last year, but it would be very appropriate for how I think about the Academy for Encanto <laughs> to not win best animated feature, <laughs> yeah, <can you> imagine? <laughs> but to win a different category. <laughs> no, that's, that's another reason why I think Encanto is probably still in the lead there in animated, but you know, I would agree. Andrew Morgan has hope now mm-hmm. <laughs> for the Mitchell's versus yeah. the sheets. I would agree, but we'll but we'll see. As far as a song that seems to be locked in, uh, no matter where you look, no time to die is going to. Billie Eilish is going to check off Oscars on her way to egotting alongside the many Emmy she already wins has on her uh, mantle. Right? Yeah, this is a runaway, and we got to check the odds on this because the NBP scoreboard is seventeen zip or seventeen one. Uh, against any other lock sh- something down lock down yeah. supporting actor supporting actress best actor or original song right now and this or is director yeah, which this- what's, what's the biggest lock for you uh director but yeah i think so if too. not director then the song is up there a society of composers and lyricists pick no time to die and then just look up only one of those is nominated for the oscar so mm-hmm. look i mean this this category went to the long shot the betting long shot last year and her from judas and the black messiah so you never know but this does look like a runaway i do know because i was the only person <laughs> on this planet to pick her just want to throw that out. All there. right. Cruella uh, uh, <laughs> is going to be an Oscar winner, right? Maybe. All right. I do think Cruella has taken a strong lead in costumes after the BAFTA, the Critics' Choice, and Costume Designers Guild. Dune also won Costume Designers Guild, though. And look, we we have Cruella in both makeup and hair and costumes. It seems like makeup and hair is going 
towards the eyes of Tammy Faye that won both BAFTA and Choice. But we have the Muaz, Michael. The Muaz went to Coming to America, Cruella, and Being the Ricardos, whereas the eyes of Tammy Faye did not win in terms of the Makeup and Hairstyling Guild. So we... I wondered how this was going to shake down, and I always I kind of picked it the opposite way. But we we have Dune still alive, I would say, in makeup. It's probably more distant now in costumes. I wonder if it's Dune fatigue, or I wonder if you know just the the costume porn of Cruella, which was just so incredible and had the big moments, showcase moments, is just taking people back over. I agree that Cruella's got to be at least considered the favorite right now in costumes, as far as makeup and hair. We, we talk all the time about how difficult it is for a lone nominee representing their movie to win one of the acting categories, and this is kind of the opposite reason why. I mean, I don't think that the makeup and hair in the eyes of Tammy Faye is anything to write home about. I've been on record about that since I saw the movie. I'm sorry. But it's so easy to pick it to win when you're going to also vote for Chastain. Right. You, it was hit and miss for you, and it wasn't. it wasn't as bad for me because i think i saw it on tv and you saw it in the theaters right Mm -hmm. so yeah maybe maybe that's the difference here between us and reviewing that film's uh makeup and hair but they're gonna win the oscar for it so it doesn't really it's looking like it now (laughs) it's definitely looking like it now however coming to america winning big at the muaz guild keeps it alive and it was not it was not nominated at bafta or choice so maybe that's a late breaker that just hasn't shown itself yet other than the guilt what if the oscars just lean into like the 538 nerd aspect of this where they just go heavy <laughs> into the stats i i would eat it up but it was like they, they just show you all the precursors along the way and they break down the wins and they show you the stats and the historical this is the percentage of the instead of relying on us to tell people about it like this is part of the oscars <laughs> programming i don't know there's got to be a way the Oscars can unlock a segment of viewing audience that they're chasing that they don't have tuning in every year at this point. That's been a conundrum yeah, for that's me. The, that's the be- question, yeah. Wondering how the Oscars feels about the precursor season. Do they feel like the precursor season is something that they want to build a bigger hype train for that helps them? Or do they think about the precursor season as taking away their thunder? That's why this is... It's the, it's not cohesive, and it sh- and it could be, and it should be if people got started working together and got their stuff together. Michael, I, I think they could organize this better, more as tournament style, have more awards at the BAFTAs and at the other precursor award show that could funnel into the Oscars at the end of the day, which is probably where the Oscars wants to be. They want to be less awards, having a big you know broadcast where things can breathe more than they want to be. You know, the, the the show that has to go bigger. What if the Oscars outsource some of their categories to these award shows? Well, I, I just think if, like, the, the ecosystem got out of whack a little bit with the critics picking late. And I, I do think that is strange sure. for this season. But otherwise, there is a movement to the season in, in a typical year, but it's not it's not wider and funneling down. It's just not. You have so much parody towards the end where we get these coronations instead of these races and i think races is better tv if you oh, have races a leading thousand percent it, that's smarter i don't know what they're doing they don't have they're not working together at all and maybe the oscars are bitter about people taking away their thunder and 
trying to become Oscar precursors and kind of jumping the gun on them or scooping them in a way. I don't know. So that's the thing. Like, do they want to necessarily give all these shows shine and say, here are the stats? Or while somebody's walking up, you know, they have stats going, you know, up Well, the awards ecosystem is dying right now. It's tough to watch last night and not think there's a big problem with the awards industry in general. Right. I mean, you can't watch the Critics' Choice be bombarded with advertisements for teeth whiteners and laxatives, not see a single advertisement for any of the movie. I mean, if all the studios are looking at the Critics' Choice Awards show and saying, well, we're not going to spend advertising money on this because we know the Academy doesn't watch, that's a fucking problem. (laughs) It's not great. It's not a great look. I will say Coda had some advertisements throughout and especially at the end. Uh, I will say that great uh, at the end of a three hour po- <laughs> program yeah. that I wanted to pull my teeth out during it, it, it was a struggle. It really was. So that's that's a, it is a frustration. And the indie spirits didn't exactly, you know, advertise all their movies during the commercial breaks either. So we're so we're, what if the Oscars like what if the Oscars took the supporting categories, a couple below the line categories and said, OK. Hey, Critics' Choice, we're going to give you a supporting actor. You get to present the supporting actor Oscar, and we're still going to invite that person, we'll still recognize that person during the broadcast, but the presentation hmm. of the actual award will be done during the Critics' Choice Awards ceremony. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. That frees up time at the Oscars so that they can do more of their historically amazing comedic bits <laughs> that they're so worried about. I don't know if it works necessarily with that category, but... You'd have to be a major category, an above-the-line, something people care about is my point. It can't be picture, director, or leads, but it has to be maybe a screenplay or supporting or something. It would be quite the olive branch. I just think the answer for a lot of these shows is to go bigger or go different than the Oscars in in certain ways. And maybe they could could connect in certain – but I would like a bigger mess because that's more fun for us to talk about. You know, I, I don't know say. if you can manufacture that every year. How do you manufacture that? They got to work together. There's got to be some kind of body that oversees it all, and they work together to make this more of a progressive season. We, we've studied the, the reality TV worlds, in your case, the sports worlds, in our case, the, you know, I mean, it just, I mean, obviously we've studied this award season together as well. It is not cohesive, to come back to my point. And it could, it really could be, we've seen some of it happen naturally with like the Globes doing, you know, the comedy or musical categories and the drama categories. And that is fun for us. That's particularly fun to go wider. It doesn't have to get that complex. They could just have certain shows could have two categories for something. You know, I mean, hell, the BAFTA has, they do have Outstanding British Film, and they do have Best Film now. And I don't disagree. I think you're hitting on something. I mean, I agree with you, and yet the Critics' Choice has way too many categories as it is. Yeah, but they, But then they, we get pissed off when the Oscars want to subsidize their categories. Like, I don't know what the, the freaking answer is. Well, they're going towards TV now, Critics' Choice, because I think they... I mean, they, they've been that for way for a while, but they, they they have more TV featured in that second hour. It was bizarre, their setup. They had all the film stuff in the first hour. They had, a, a, like, TV and tributes in the second, ni- you know, the, the next 90 minutes, and then they finally got back to the film awards towards the end, and it was all chalk. So, like, it just did not work out for them at all. 
BAFTA, I'm curious what they did. We'll have to, I apologize. We didn't get the chance to watch that, folks, but we did kind of watch the clips. Look, I think, I think these shows are, are rattled right now. All the ratings are going down and people are trying to figure out how to reshape and rebuild this thing to something, you know, that plays to the base and hopefully expands the audience back to what it used to be. The problem is the audience has gone to streaming. I mean, that's the clearest way they're going to build uh, or rebuild an audience is come back to the people. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, in that way, the BAFTAs may be a little ahead of the game because they licensed through BritBox, which is a uh, streaming service. They BritBox is supposed to be the primary handler of BAFTAs air rights in America. Right. Which is cool for BritBox, except that, you know, I'll give you a dollar if you know any, every 10 people you know that own BritBox, a subscription to BritBox. So. I tell you, I hope it works. And I hope that Hulu and Disney and obviously the, the mouse conglomerate saw good numbers uh, from, or they, they will see good numbers from the Oscars the day later somehow. And I hope mm-hmm. uh, the SAG Awards did well enough on HBO Max even the day later where they're like intrigued by that now. So that's probably where this is going. We're going to have a streaming, we're going to have an award show live on streaming in the near future. And somebody's going to make the jump uh, in a big way. Should be there. The fact that it's not there in 2022, what are are we talking about? Everything's on streaming except for the award shows. Well, there's contracts. Yeah, I mean, we, we get it, but these contracts can be broken. We've seen them broken in so many ways. It just it depends on how it, it's just got to shake down eventually. And so it, what sucks is that these sh- these award shows are being bled as a result. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good final word and words of wisdom, too, as well. I mean, that's a way you want to land. I also the more I think about it, the more right I think I am in the outsourcing <laughs> idea, which is what really matters. I just wanted to make mention of this, too, uh, before we get out of here. I have to comment on it. I know I tweeted about it, and it was a big part of what a lot of people were tweeting. The Jane Campion speech, I don't know. It, it was weird. Just very, very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that she meant to do what she did, but to kind of take a shot at the patriarchy by taking down Venus and Serena Williams, who are probably the two not only most well-known people in that uh, in that yeah. uh, hotel, but probably two of the wealthiest as well, who have done more for their sport and, to, and against the patriarchy themselves. It's just odd, odd. I just wanted to say that. I have to have that on the record. Completely different spheres, and she didn't get that. That's yeah. the problem, you know. Yeah. And we come from that world too, and it's it's uh, that was frustrating. And is that going to halt any momentum for Jane Campion? Is she going to, you know, second guess that? It did. It did come off as as very awkward because why is it a? Sh- you know, I don't think she meant it to be a shot. Right, I get what she was trying. It. Exactly. She was trying to do something, and it just came off very clumsy. Yeah. And it, and it pats herself on the back. Right. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Which is just awkward. But, hey, she's Perfect given. Perfect for the night, you, one, one could say. Right. <laughs> I, look, she's given a ton of cool speeches up till now. I don't think it's going to. And I think it was just a so. gaffe. It was a gaffe. It was a gaffe. I, I agree. I agree. But uh, as always, dear listener, what matters most to us, did you watch either 
or both or neither of these shows, what would they need to do to get you to watch them as well as what we want to hear from you? And what did you think about uh, what takes do you have? What did you think about our takes on both the Critics' Choice and Baptist stages as well as of the other guilds that we covered throughout this episode? You can leave us all of those as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. If you're listening to us right now on either the Spotify or Apple Podcast app. If you appreciate what we do, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, uh, those truly help us out a long way. We thank each and every one of you who have done so thus far. Michael, you had some words of wisdom. Uh, we're in the thick of it here. This is the big home stretch. Tell the good people what's coming next from us as well. Yeah, we got some big shows before the 94th Academy Awards on our podcast feed. We got Oscar bets. We got our final preview. We have some Oscar race checkpoints. I don't know how they're going to fall exactly le- yet, but we're going to take a deeper dive into Best Picture ahead of the PGAs with a guest. We're going to have another guest next week, and I think it's going to be a fun you know, finale to the 95th before we immediately <laughs> change gears, <laughs> uh, or, or before the 94th, before we immediately change gears to the 95th, that is, because we have our year in preview series that we jump on almost immediately after, like the week after the Oscars. So yeah. we're going to have, uh, I think I think we're going to want to turn the page at that point too, but hopefully... Like today was today was reinvigorating. Like we got on them for some things, but I think the undercard, uh, something that we've covered all year, Mike. Even though it's going to piss me off that they're not all shown live, because some of the most fascinating races are the undercard this year. It, it is there, there, there is a lot of intrigue, and that could you know tab what's going to happen on the on the main card too towards the last it, hour. It will be very we'll foreshadowing and foreboding, and I'm now going to dedicate rest of my days into figuring out the perfect Oscars telecast and how to fix this perfectly and then they can have a parade for me so that's that's where my head's at <laughs> you want the parade <laughs> I knew it was going to come to this at the end of the series uh, just d- demanding a parade that's right ticker tape uh, guys <laughs> when reality or some of the precursor awards shows suck you can come take them all in and analyze them with us we are Mike Mike and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon. See you.